Okay, uh, we have another twosome here. Yeah, Exciting. yeah, the packed I, house again. I love when we have multiple uh, guests. Yes. There's a, usually a lot of diverse perspectives that come out of these conversations. So this is going to be one of those cases. So I'm going to let them introduce themselves. First, we have Heather. Tell us uh, who you are, what you do, and who you work for. My name is Heather Lassner. I am a licensed professional land surveyor in the state of Colorado, and I currently work as a project manager on the survey side for Denver Water. Cool. Awesome. And uh, Brian Frazier. I'm also a PLS in Colorado, uh, working for Denver Water as a project manager. Nice. Awesome. So you guys manage uh, separate projects, I take it, right? Correct. Yeah. Gotcha. And because you work for a public entity, we won't talk too much about the public entity itself as much as we will, uh, you know, more your survey experience and kind of how that applies to what you do. So how long have you been surveying, Heather? Man, a really long time. Yeah? Um, since 2006. Okay. And how did you get into it? I fell into it, like so many like surveyors. So, it's the common story. Yep. 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 I got out of college, was looking for a job, and a lot of jobs required you to have experience, but I found one that was entry level, mm. and they said, hey, you've got a good math background, so why don't you come on board? Yeah. What was your degree in? Uh, environmental science. Okay. Yep. Uh, okay. Yep. All right. How about you, Brian? Uh, pretty similar story. 2007, when was it? I got my foot in the door. Mm-hmm. Um, environmental science background, GIS certificate, mm. oh, um, nice. and then I actually got my start with a company that's here, Compass Data, okay. um, and doing ground control survey air for aerial mm-hmm. all over the U.S. So cool. Um, that was kind of my first experience with survey GNSS equipment. Awesome. So um, I don't know. Do you have to have a uh, post-secondary education to get licensed in Colorado or no? Do you know offhand what the uh, requirements are? I so, can't remember. So the requirements changed a couple of years ago. Mm. Um, and so you do, you are required to have a degree in the state of Colorado to get licensed here now. Um, that was 2018, I want to say, when it changed. Or maybe 19. it was 2020. It was 19 or 20, I think. Yeah. yeah. No, it had to have been 2020 because I got in before that requirement changed since okay. I didn't have a surveying degree. What do you think about that? Um, You know, I think in this kind of changing time that we're in, used to be great. You know, you used to be able to get on a survey crew. You'd have multiple people. You'd have a party chief that would mentor you, train you how to do things. Now we're so detached. We are very much on a system of a one-man crew. Um, You're literally getting an assignment, and you could be flying across the country from your supervisor, and you may talk to them at the end of the day Hmm. or if you have problems, but there's not really that mentorship built in anymore. Um, Because of that, I probably am more of a proponent of education just because there's got to be some way to supplement that missing mentorship yeah. and are there a lot of programs in colorado that you can get your uh degree in There's serving one what is yeah. it what is it a mesa state yeah yeah, mesa oh, mesa county. County. yeah. okay yeah. is yeah. that a four-year degree or is it a two-year degree? that one's a two-year degree right now they're mm-hmm. uh working with arizona i think it's asu and they're trying to get so you can get the associates at mesa and then finish Wow. For the bachelors at ASU, interesting. But we, that's we, we not. We might know a guy that's involved with that. Yeah. yeah. So I don't. I think that's the last I heard about it. Um, and then there's the program up in Wyoming and Laramie, oh, yeah. um, and they've they've got a pretty good program, as I understand too. Awesome. And there's there's a lot more remote programs yep. as well. Yep. So have both of you, like Brian, do you feel like you've had some good uh, mentoring? I have, and I've I've been lucky. I've been kind of just lucky over the years that 
my direct supervisors have been PLSs, and mm-hmm. that wasn't by design. That was just, yep. oh, you need you need some somebody to work for you, and oh, you happen to be a PLS. Yeah. So that was great. Is um, there anybody in particular you'd like to mention? Uh, Philip Hummel was one of the was one of the first PLSs that I worked with. Um, he's a geodesy kind of background, geodetics, yeah. and then. Um, you know, I've worked with other like small mom pop PLSs. I'm actually originally from Washington State, um, so I've I've worked. Uh, Thomas Berry is a licensed surveyor over there. I've worked mm-hmm. with, and I kind of that was actually a really good experience as far as boundary goes. Yep, I really got some good boundary experience. That was there. probably a lot of like uh, sectional retracement type surveys, right? Yep, exactly. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know about you, but like in Arizona, we don't get a chance to do too many of those. It's like everything's been surveyed first of all in Maricopa County, yeah. and we have this unbelievable database of. Every single section corner, you know, with latitude, longitude, state plane, grid coordinate, elevation, blah, blah, blah. So we're very spoiled. Yeah. But not everybody, you know, has that luxury for sure. So to go out and actually do like a sectional retracement survey, very it's, few people get that experience anymore. It's you know? rare. So it's, it's super cool that, uh, you know, you have that experience. Fortunately, is, is I, that more common out here in the West, in, in frontier land? Yeah, or like, why? I grew up in, you know, growing up in Illinois. Um, Southern Illinois, especially, is a very rural area. Uh, in my first job, as you know, working for a small mom and pop type operation, and their contract was USDA uh, Forest Service. So we were just doing these massive sectional retracement surveys, you know, traversing three person crew, you know, around every section, around the interior, blah, blah, blah. Very few people get that experience anymore. Right. So, yeah, yeah. How about you? Go ahead. Well, and here in Colorado, you know, I think a lot of people, because you can, especially on the front range, they use GPS for everything, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. And Arizona, too. Yeah. So mm-hmm. doing that that traditional traverse is, is a lot more rare. Yeah. Yeah. So what, um, without going into a ton of, ton of detail, like, what's a typical project for uh, Denver water look like? Um... I mean, a lot of, I mean, obviously we're doing a lot of main and water replacement projects, so mm-hmm. we do a lot of pre-designed topo mapping, okay. um, you know, existing conditions, maps, mm-hmm. and uh, kind of build that foundation for the engineer to build their designs off of. Are you doing like uh, easement acquisition or yep. acquisition in general? Yep, we do do some of that. Um, Heather just recently did, did some of that work. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, um, yeah, I would say that's farther and fewer between, though. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, Denver Water's been around for 100 plus years, so... All of a lot of that's already established. We yeah. we do maintenance now and try to support the projects that are going to keep the water running for the community. And yep. so a lot of it's design. I would say pre-design work. Yeah. Uh, so what are you excited about? Or you guys come to this conference every year? Are you, I mean, what's uh, what's new and exciting? And what uh, what do you hope to get out I'm of this week? I'm a newbie. Week? Oh, okay. Uh, yep. First time. First okay. time. It's <laughs> a great conference. Such a great conference. Yeah. I think uh, the thing for me was just seeing what's out there, right? New technology. It's incredible. Yeah. It's hard yeah. to keep up. It is hard to keep up, and things keep getting better. Yep. So. Yep. And if you're not making a conscious effort to keep up, you get left behind in no time. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's a fast-moving industry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I love this question. I guess it's a two-part question. Um, individually, what, like, what do you love about being a surveyor, and what drives you crazy about being a surveyor? You, you can tell that he doesn't get to talk to a lot of licensed surveyors, yeah. so Kent gets very yeah. excited. Yeah. Um, I kind of like, I mean, surveyors by profession are kind of a jack-of-all-trades type of profession. Like, we kind of dabble in a lot of different spaces, which is really interesting. It fits well with my personality, because I'm 
I like to just change it up constantly. ADD a little bit. Uh, yeah, I'm like, oh, this is really cool, but I want to see what's going on over here, and I don't want to just get pigeon, pigeonholed into kind of one thing. Um, so I really love that, the profession. Uh, the profession that drives me crazy, I, I think actually is just where the state of like bringing it to the next generation of surveyors. There mm-hmm. is a really, like you said, the education piece yep. is lacking in Colorado, the disparity of that, that mm-hmm. changeover. Um, it's kind of, it's tough because you're like, there's a lot of people that don't even know about the profession that would probably be great surveyors, yep. but they just see engineering or they see GIS and they they don't see the underlying, yeah. you know, support for that, for that yeah. profession. Yep. Um, yep. How about you, Heather? So for me, um, I be, I love being able to come to like survey conferences or geo week and actually being able to get into the bathroom like right away. <laughs> There's no line for me. Awesome. I'm in and out. <laughs> it's the well best said. thing ever. Yeah. That was great. That nice. was great. Um, no, truth, I, you know, I agree with Brian. It's it's the diversity. I, I really love it. I, I've i gotten to do so many things. Um, I've, I've been one of the few surveyors, I think, who's never had a gun held to me, so I, I like to... Oh, yeah, that's a that's rite of passage, a, I've yeah, heard, yeah. yeah. So I'm proud of that, too. Um, I've never seen one of the threads. <laughs> I've, I've been, you know, I've done so many weird things. Um, everything from, like, planning to... I don't know, scanning and yeah. There, I was a drone co-pilot for a little bit, so I had some cool opportunities, so I really like that. And I love being outside. I think most surveyors do. Yep, yep, for sure. Um, what I hate, I hate how people don't really understand what we do. Huh? I, and, and I feel like that there's this huge gap where everybody thinks that, the, hey, you get data and it's, it's amazing, I've got data. But what what kind of data do you have? What kind of quality level do you have? I think I think uh, that's probably one of the most frustrating things for me. People think they can just pull open source data from anything and throw some design lines on it, and they've got got it. And sometimes that works great, and sometimes it doesn't work so Until great. Until you go yeah. out to the ground and you're like, oh, <laughs> wait, it's, wait, it's not here. Wait, wait, what, it's not there. <laughs> oh, what do you mean I'm three feet off? What's an international foot? Yeah. What's a survey foot? We don't have to worry about the survey for anymore. Though. I know it's I going know. away. <laughs> it's probably one of the best things to like not have that confusion anymore. Yeah. Oh, I'm gonna see if this comes up with something good here. I might be onto something. <laughs> are you are you chat GPTing again? Yes. Oh, of course. Because I was like, we need like as globally as a profession, we need to have an elevator speech type thing, right? <laughs> yeah. that, that catches people. So I literally. ChatGPT just typed in land surveyor elevator speech. Okay, I'm gonna read this real quick. As a land surveyor, I specialize in measuring and mapping the physical features of land. My work is critical for a wide range of projects from construction and engineering to property development and environmental assessment. By utilizing state-of-the-art tools and techniques, I am able to accurately and precisely identify boundaries, topography, and other important information about a piece of land. With my expertise, I can help ensure that projects proceed smoothly, safely, and in compliance with all relevant regulations. That's not freaking bad. It's not no, bad. No. But I think that's pretty accurate. I, 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 accurate is one thing, but is would it, it get me I if I met you fine individuals <laughs> in an elevator <laughs> and, and Heather start spew through that paragraph? Spit it out. Would that get me to change my change courses in my in my career? Probably. It depends on the day. 
If you're having a really shitty it day, it could be. If I'm having a really <laughs> shitty day, day, like that sounds a lot yeah. better, actually. Yeah. I like I like it better when you say, "Okay, do you like to be outside and do you hate people? Then you should be a surveyor." Oh, yeah, I like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I've noticed that. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, I was just talking to somebody earlier, and we were having the same kind of conversation, you know, just about how. We as a profession have just done such a shitty job, you know, about yeah. uh, promoting it, of course, and Absolutely. people don't know what we do. Yep. So I. It's because you hate people. No, <laughs> it's not really true. <laughs> it's definitely a most stereotype, people. though. Oh, most people. Most people. <laughs> so yes. I started telling people, like, when somebody asks me what I do, I go, I tell them, I'm a, I'm a geospatial expert. That's yeah. what I say. And that gets their attention because then you can totally springboard off with so many cool things. Yeah. Right. I don't tell anybody anymore I'm a Lancer there because they're like, you know, oh, you're the guy on the side of the road, the camera type thing. You know, yeah, or, yeah is that a camera? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You know, you're the guy. Uh, you get the thing. Planting like, trees yeah. in my neighbor's yard or whatever. You yeah, know, they hear landscaper. They don't hear land surveyor. <laughs> so, yeah, I like uh, I like how many times I've I've been out in the field and that one guy walks up and he's like. You know, I used to land survey back uh-huh. in the day. Oh, yeah, yeah, there was always. <laughs> yeah. And it was like before those fancy gizmos. Yeah. Right, like, right. I was, I was yeah. a cheat. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Well, hey, this has been fun. You guys, yeah. anything else you want to get out there? Um, no, yeah, this has been great. Yeah, cool. thanks, yeah. guys. Yeah. No, thanks yeah. for sitting Thank down with us. We appreciate it. Yeah, have yeah. a good week. All right, All right. you thanks. too. Bye. See you. See you. We're back. Back again. Back again. Another another foursome. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Oh, my gosh. All right. We have another uh, couple of folks with us. They both work for David Evans. I'm going to let them introduce themselves and tell, them a little bit, tell us a little bit about themselves. I'll let you go first. All right. I'm Aaron Radford. I'm the chief pilot for David Evans & Associates, and I operate out of northern Idaho. Um, so I do a lot of our LIDAR operations, drone-based. Cool. Um, and I'm here with my associate, Jed Gibson. Yep. So I'm Jed. I'm a licensed land surveyor. I'm also a chief pilot. Um, I work in the Oregon region, but me and Aaron work a lot together. I just started nice. about, I don't know, two months ago now. Where were you at before David Evans? Your name at, rings a bell. It was at REY Engineers in Folsom, California. Okay. okay. We were just talking about Folsom Prison. We were. Wow, yeah. what a coincidence. I, well, I'll like watch that Johnny Cash movie of, uh, again. Yeah. Separation yeah, we here. Wow. Somehow, we, meant somehow we manifested it out there, <laughs> and, then, and then it came. Unbelievable. Crazy how that happens. Okay, so um, first, tell us a little bit about David Evans. Tell us about the company, a little bit about the culture. This is your chance to like get a raise. Who would like to go first? <laughs> well, I think Aaron has the most experience. I've yes, just true. been here for two months. So all right, all right. So far, it's been pretty awesome. I mean, I've been going all over the place. We went out to Texas, up to uh, Idaho, nice. out here, stuff. Cool. So this entire month, I've been on the road for David Evans oh, wow. doing stuff. So it's pretty Very cool. cool. Yeah. That's awesome. good stuff. Um, yeah, our company has a lot of different departments. We're both heavily into geomatics, so a lot of remote sensing, heavy surveying. How long have you been with David I think Aaron. it'll be two years and a couple of days, okay. actually. Okay, cool. So, yeah. Hey, in today's market, that's a long time. Yeah, that's that like is 20 10 years. years. Yes. <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, gosh. So tell, tell me a little bit more specifically about what you do for David Evans. Um, so mostly aerial operations stuff. Okay. Um, they brought me on to kickstart the UAV LiDAR program. I did that oh. at my previous firm for about okay. five years. Okay. Um, and how's that going? Oh, is it excellent. is it kickstarted? It. Oh, big time, <laughs> big time. Yep, we expanded our fleet. When I came, we had uh, six pilots. Uh, now we have thirty-five. Oh, nice. Yep. And Jeez. In two years. Oh, yeah. I'm a good teacher. That's crazy. You are a good teacher. <laughs> Kudos. Oh, yeah. let's ask Jed. Is she a good teacher? I didn't have to teach Jed anything. She hasn't, taught, she hasn't. Well, she's taught me a lot. She's taught me a lot. Yeah, okay, there you go. Good answer. <laughs> no, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. She we, talks in the higher level, like 
yeah. uh, helicopter, you know, all the acronyms and stuff. I can't keep up most of the time. Her and yeah. the pilot were talking. I'm like, sure, it spins and it goes up in the air. That's cool. <laughs> so the, the helicopter thing, is this like a, like a UAV type helicopter or a manned helicopter that you're a part of or no. both? Manned helicopter. Oh, um, really? Okay. Part of the reason uh, Duffy and Daryl wanted to bring me on is that I started out as a helicopter pilot. Um, so <laughs> awesome. when we were shopping for a drone LiDAR unit, yeah. um, obviously we went Regal, uh, make the best scanners, and we wanted to get one that was both UAV and helicopter capable just so we could chase larger jobs, yeah. mm-hmm. get around that flying over people thing a little easier. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So Jed and I were pretty jacked. We finally got to put it to the test, did a collection. Really? Usually it's our drone unit, but we slapped her on a helicopter, and it was glorious. Nice. Nice. Talk a little bit, if you can, share a little bit more about that project and like kind of what that workflow looks like. Yeah, so it's a solar site, about six square miles down in uh, Temple, Texas, that area. Okay. Um, so, I mean, it was pretty easy start, right? Nice flat country, not much vegetation. Um, mm-hmm. Mostly we just want to make sure we could get the flying ups nailed down, and uh, by golly, we did. Uh, worked with a great aerial provider down there, Catchamac Bay Flying Services. Um, Aaron Lewis really hooked us up. It was very interesting. You want to talk a little bit about the training we did with Phoenix? The going <clears throat> to the actual training and everything? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, they, I mean, they take us to the their office. They train us. We do all the things there. And then say, all right, jump in the helicopter. We're going to show you how to run this thing. <laughs> really? Yeah. And wow. it was my first time in a helicopter. So, <laughs> so I nervous? was... I was nervous I was going to throw up. Yeah. I mean, I never usually, like, get motion sickness with car rides or anything. But I'm like, helicopters is a whole different thing, I think. It's, you know, different motion. So that was the only thing I was afraid of. So, yeah, they took us up, and we did a couple rounds. And it was raining all around us when we were training. But we were in, like, this little halo of sunlight. Oh, wow. We did. We got lucky. (laughs) It was like God wanted us to collect LiDAR. (laughs) (laughs) It will rain everywhere else, but not here. That's awesome. So you were an actual helicopter pilot? Yeah, yeah. So, like, how, doing what? Doing the same type thing, or was this like in the military or something? What was oh it? no, Magna no, PI. Not, not in the military. Uh, I did some <laughs> game surveys, rides, um, just stuff like that. Okay. Uh, photo flights. Uh, we yeah. kind of did. We would just do anything <laughs> for money. How did How do you get into like? How did you decide I want to be a helicopter pilot? This is actually a good story. <laughs> <laughs> I got done with college. I majored in history and English. I don't know why. Okay. That's, and, that's, uh, I, I can see the connection there. Right? Oh, yeah. It's a natural clear, yeah, yeah, clear yeah, path. Yeah. And I got. I was getting to the end of that. My old man's like, what are you going to do for a living? And I said, my God, I don't know. I'm starting to get a little stressed about it. We were drinking beer on the porch, and he goes, you should do something cool like fly helicopters. <laughs> and I really latched onto that out of desperation. Basically, that would be the story. That's awesome. <laughs> so cool. Um, so what else are you guys excited about? You got any other really cool projects coming up? Yeah, yeah, we're definitely breaking into the renewable sector, so we're going to utilize the manned option a lot more. Um, so what's, what, what are some of the, you know, I, I don't know anything. What are some of the advantages or why would you go to a manned option versus unmanned? Mostly to cover a lot of ground quickly. There's a lot less restriction as far as how far you can fly because you have to be within visual line of sight for the drone. Yeah, so okay. a helicopter, you can fly wherever you want, fly over people, cover a larger area you can fly higher you can fly faster collect more data okay yeah so that makes me think about like can you go as fast as you want when you're collecting using lidar or is there like a speed where it's not nearly as effective does that make sense you would walk over to the regal booth and pull out one of their data sheets yeah you know and uh that's the thing about regal that pulse repetition rate they can get very very high and still get returns yeah um so it just kind of depends the higher that you go the slower you should fly yeah you know In some of those scanners, I mean, they're big. Like, yeah. the, the payload is substantial, and a lot of unmanned 
you know, UAVs aren't capable of, you know, carrying it for any given amount of time, you know? Right. That's, That's what's been yeah. kind of exciting about that Regal Vux 120. It's a way over-spec drone unit, so we're just kicking butt in that space and scooping up data. I mean, the point density is insane. Mm. You know, I've, we're doing very, very well there, but it's then it makes it that much more robust when you want to go to a manned solution. How do you deal with the massive amount of data that you collect? That's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> we, we're not quite to that point of figuring that out. We're working on that, but yeah. it's a lot of starting the laptop and walking away for the night, coming back yeah. in the morning and letting it process overnight. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 I wish our clients could understand the LiDAR is the easy part, you know? Collecting really not is that easy. Bad to, yeah, collecting is easy. Even the LiDAR processing, that's pretty smooth, even with huge data sets. The photogrammetry. Oh, I wish people didn't ask for pictures. <laughs> I mean, it's cool and it's fun, but yeah. woo. It's just so much data. <laughs> talking about six square miles. Move right. around. And melt down the old laptop oh, again. Man. Yeah. <laughs> We've actually been BSing with a lot of people around here. Almost all of us have melted down multiple computers. Really? Yeah, like, we, like, we just do that on the regular. Yeah. No yeah. kidding. Wow. I'm actually here without my work laptop because I killed the fan again. Um, wow. So, <laughs> huh. so yeah, I was sitting in the office one day about to process a, a, a job, and yeah. one of the guys sitting next to me, here's my fan kick on on my thing. He's like, what the hell are you doing over there? Yeah. And I was like, um, just processing data like <laughs> and he's like i've never heard a fan run that loud and that fast for that long like wow, it's just constantly around the entire time you're yeah. processing anything yeah yeah so like some of these new uh lidar sensors what are we looking at as far as an investment like how much what do they what do they cost these days are you, are you privy to that information yeah i mean i don't know they're probably okay with us letting it out i, I bet we're about a half a million bucks in our system yeah. with the helicopter components and we yeah. just invested in a Harris Aerial H6. Wow. Um, but it's a really good scanner. I mean, you don't have to go that good. Yeah. You know, you could step into a Minivac system for a lot cheaper, probably what, like uh, 300,000? Well, about the about the price of a house usually. Yeah. Crazy. Depending on where you're at. I was going to say yeah, and this not where, depending depending on where. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So is that something you got to you got to like talk Duffy into that purchase or how's that look? I, I was rather impressed. I was shopping. I was honestly shopping for a little mini vex unit. I was dreaming small, and he's like, "No, no, no, get us something that's man capable." You know, <laughs> Duffy Stretch talks you into things. It's not the yeah. other way around most of the time, <laughs> right? <laughs> no, he immediately just slapped oh. me around, said, "Think bigger." I'm like, "Okay, I can do that." That's awesome. Well, I mean, you gotta, you know, analyze return on investment and everything. And when you're talking about that kind of expenditure, it's like you gotta have a pretty good feel for the market and you know what you're gonna be able to generate as far as revenue goes. Yeah that kind of investment so yeah what else you got uh, anything you guys want to get out there yeah what else what else you guys have sounds like things are going really well congratulations yeah 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 pretty excited about our, our Harris we've got the electronic fuel injection now and also the next time we go do drone work I won't be held down to my 15 minutes of M600 time it's a hybrid so is there one here oh yeah I think yeah yeah, yeah there's I don't I, think they have a booth but I think there's one at there was one at Regal. Yeah, there's, there's a one. Harris H6 at the Regal. Booth. Is there? Okay, yeah. I'm going to go check it out for sure. Yeah. Like, Regal has always been, like, the, uh, I don't know, the benchmark for scanners, I think. Oh, for sure. Mm -hmm. You know? Even, like, when they first came out, I can remember the first one I ever used was this big 80-pound monstrosity that was, like, three feet tall. It took two people to get it up on a tripod, you know? But, uh, yeah, I mean, can't say enough about Regal and the technology and uh, just the platforms second to none. Oh, yeah. Right. For sure. Can't yep. believe how much of our Regal stuff we're still using, despite the fact that it's quite old. 
yeah. you know, and it still delivers the same great mm. data. So. Uh, free free plug. Don't get used to it. As yeah. I say. Yep. Yeah. 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 Uh, okay. Anything else? I appreciate you guys taking the time to sit down with us. It's great. Yeah. No. Thanks for visiting with us. It's yeah. excellent. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Have you guys good, enjoy uh, the week. Good rest of the show. All right. Thank you. All right. Okay, we are with Lisa. Lisa, tell us who you are, who you're with, and what you do. So my name is Lisa Nissenson. I'm Vice President of New Mobility and Connected Communities for WGI. We are an AEC firm. I do a lot of urban planning, mobility planning, technology, street design, uh, building cities. Um, and trying to find ways to do it much better than urban planners have done it the past hundred years. And how can urban planners do it better? What are you seeing here that is opening your eyes to some things? So certainly the availability of technology and the cost coming down is reshaping what we should be doing. So a lot of what we've done for the past, well maybe 60 years, not 100, but, but if you look at, at our roadways, they're super congested, they're built only for the car, and, and it's like, we're, we're just not doing it right. Um, and, and so what we did in the past is we would do forecast modeling, which was based on past data, and then we'd add a little bit more. So for example, parking lots are super big because of Black Friday, the day after Thanksgiving. That's how we size parking lots. Even though now we have online shopping and yeah. things. So, so we need to catch up with the future on that. But but now with technology, you can you can manage parking in real time. So instead of having ah. to build a lot more, like you can do things to let people know where the parking spaces are, are actually open hmm. and things like that. So, so we don't need to build extra parking anymore. Um, so it's stuff like that. And then I just went to um, uh, something on digital twins, which is that kind of a buzzword? It, it is. Yeah. Well, first, yep. you, you need you need to say this, the, the, give us the same story that you told us before. Oh, uh, how, how did you end up here? So um, Bob Hansen, who uh, is a wonderkind in the geospatial world, uh, came to me and said, I want you to go to this conference. And I said, Bob, I don't know anything about geospatial. And he said, perfect. Um, and the reasoning was that he, he gets it. He knows that there is a, a brave new world that, that merges what he does with what we do to do our jobs better. But you just need to throw different people from different disciplines into the soup. Yeah. And then just say, okay, what's the recipe in the soup? And, and so I've got my recipe book in, in my backpack. Um, <laughs> nice. <laughs> so so I'll, I'll take that back. But like already great ideas. Um, so we're doing a lot of work with safety because uh, our roadways are not designed for mm-hmm. safety. Um, and, and so there's a lot of, sometimes when you go into a community, it's like we're going to make this intersection safer. All of a sudden people are, are in a panic because they don't like change. They don't want to slow their cars down. The fire chief is like, will my you know fire truck fit well imagine if you do a digital twin or a simulation or whatever the right word is that you can model it all out you know maybe the fire chief was right like he he needs another three inches to get that truck around that corner it's like fine we can okay put it in cab we're done um, and it cost like 15 minutes worth of work, right? Instead of right. building it and then having to rip it out or not build it at all and have people hit by cars. So um, interesting. that's the kind of thing where you model it and then, you know, the neighbors come out and they're like, we don't want you to do anything. And you can model and show 
like, um, I, well, I don't, I don't think I want to show um, a simulation of a car hitting a, a small child. <laughs> no, but that may, that may that, not. That may not. Yeah. Maybe yeah. a crash test dummy, but one that walks. <laughs> Um, or that Boston okay. Robotics yeah, dog. Yeah, yeah, the dog <laughs> running around here. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's exactly. always a good idea. Maybe we could do that. And, and just kind of say, like, at that, sp the car is going that speed around that, that curve because that's what it's designed for. It's designed for extra speed so they go faster. At that speed, if they hit a real child instead of robot dog, that child has a 90% chance of being killed or something like that. Mm. And so it's just kind of, it, we're going to have to show the public why we're doing it right. um, in very you know you want visual terms maybe not too graphic but I just see a lot of potential here for for how we can better use a lot of, of this visualization so would you say that it is more about cost savings and doing things more efficiently or mm -hmm. expanding the the breadth and the approach that you can you can start to look at projects both okay absolutely both um, but, but I do think that too, uh, like uh, our company's writing a book on complete streets and just doing the research for that has been fascinating and so much research in the past three years. Um, but just being able to communicate with the public about community design is often just a point we don't do very well. So we need new tools like visualization um, yeah. simulations, augmented reality, you know, go out, stick your phone up and it'll show you what those bollards will look like or what that new bike rack will look like, you know? Oh yeah, that's really cool. Right? Like uh, this terrible intersection is going to be a circle. Here's what it's going to look like and right. then everyone freaks out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that technology is really good for like subsurface utility engineering as well. Oh yeah. The, uh, yeah, exactly. Um, Oh, where, where does autonomous vehicles fit into this? Yeah, that was that was gonna. Oh, that's my question. So awesome you asked, um, because our our company is on the team that's actually doing Jacksonville, Florida's autonomous shuttle uh, transit mm. in oh, their really? downtown. Yeah, um, it, just the small um, autonomous shuttles that are going to be circulating throughout the downtown. Um, so here's here's one thing that I think has been. Um, vexing us and and i'm going to go to a story because this is a podcast and it's sure. all about stories right it is um so there was a town in belgium that was doing an autonomous shuttle trial and they deep set they just cut it off because one day the shuttle was going along and it just stopped and it didn't know what to do and it didn't know what to do because all of a sudden overnight a flower was growing out of the pavers okay. on the street and so it it, you know, this town was it like... totally shut the whole thing down. Right. So that town wasn't having any of it. And they went, you know, come back when this thing is, you know, ready for prime time. So I think that, that with the way that, that we're able to do that scanning, so, so with autonomous vehicles, they need to be trained on the route. And it really just geo-references different items to say, hey, this is how we're going. Um, one of the biggest problems is landscaping and plants because plants grow they sway in the wind and if uh, autonomous vehicles going along it, it might not know what to do with it mm -hmm. but if you think about urban placemaking which is most of what I do we like trees we sure. like canopy we like shade it gets yeah. hot right and it's gonna get hotter and so trees are more important so who wins the autonomous shuttle or the trees um, <laughs> 
but, but you know, we have to find a world of both and. But, but wouldn't it be cool if we were able to recalibrate that shuttle on a more frequent basis so that it didn't stop because a weed grew overnight? Mm, interesting. Right? Um, and, of course, it is getting better. Uh, you know, the, 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 the people behind this are really smart, and they're working hard and cranking stuff out. But, you know, it's not ready for prime time, and we need we need more circulators and yeah. more downtowns. So. Interesting. So the sensors are that sensitive? Yeah. Like a weed would throw the whole thing off? Yep. That's crazy. I didn't realize that. Wow. Yeah, you wanted to get it to a small child, so, you know. Well, that's small. a little bit more substantial than a weed. I mean, what if it's a baby, Kent? <laughs> Some babies are weeds. Some babies are <laughs> big weeds. So how did you get into city planning? How did you end up in this line of work? And oh, then, that's a whole I mean, other We understand what you podcast. got you here, but... Um, tw- 27 years ago, I was a civic activist fighting a Home Depot that wanted to come <laughs> into my neighborhood on top of a subway station. And my husband and I bought a house because we wanted to be by a metro station where there was a lot of density and a lot of, you know, stuff going on. And you can walk everywhere. Um, and But in order to get that done, we had to convince the county commission that the urbanism was the right thing to do, not Home Depot. Hmm. Um, so we had to teach ourselves urban planning. So, oh, wow. Long story short, Home That's Depot cool. didn't go in. Yeah. Nice. And sure. still not there? No, but what did did go in was like exactly what the county had been envisioning and what we were fighting for, and it's won awards. And you know, every once in a while, I'll go back to town and see somebody's like, "Hey." Yeah, that's cool. So, do you use like some of the tools that you have at your fingertips? Like, do you right. utilize GIS mapping or GIS for your planning purposes? We, we do, um, yeah. and you know, right now, one of the biggest applications is to help our clients get funding. All that infrastructure fund and all that money that's coming um, down down the pike um, or that was recently mm-hmm. awarded. So we went and studied the grant applications to see what got funded. And it was basically um, the new criteria are things like we want to have resilience, climate resilience. Mm-hmm. We want equity. Um, there's a lot of cities where maybe the lower income part of town never got the pretty landscaping mm-hmm. or the improved street. Um that's unfortunately very common um, and then safety and so if you can do the map layers that show you the locations where oh, all yeah. three of those things are happening at once and then you compare that to the list of infrastructure upgrades that maybe they were thinking about or maybe not thinking about hmm. it's like if you want to get this money these types of projects will probably score higher hmm. So I think that's I, an example. I think you said it earlier, and I think I've heard a couple times about the word intermodal. Is that the right yep. word? Where it has to be, you said not everything yep. can't be just cars. That right. We have to be designing for, diff, you know, all the different modes of transportation. Right. Um, and that's actually a big deal right now um, is that network analysis, which takes a lot of computation, uh, a lot of maps. You know, yeah. But how can we do it super fast? Um, because not every street can be a complete street. There's going to be some streets where only cars are going because that's really the road where you want cars going 45 right. miles an hour. Right. You don't want people biking on that road. Um, but some of the streets are going to have to share. And so how do you figure out, 
like what those networks look like. So I have to ask, what is a complete street? I mean, is that a car and then a bike and then a tricycle lane? And like, I mean, yeah. does it cover all the possible, you know? It, it does. Um, and, and it got started to almost exactly 20 years ago. <laughs> and it was just really uh, trying to get cities to build sidewalks. Oh, yeah. yeah. I didn't even think about the sidewalk part of it, but put yeah. In, put in sidewalks. Um, and then bike, bike, bikers were like, hey, we're over here too. Um, and then, of course, you had a lot of different users, like uh, elderly people, people in wheelchairs, and they were like, hey, you know, look, look at that ramp. It's, you know, garbage. Um, can't, here, here's how it works in real life for me. And so that's, that's kind of how you take that approach. Um, and so, you know, years later, any parent with a stroller is reaping the benefits. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Of, of those accommodations. So, um, or, or people on scooters and yeah. bicycles and skateboards. How far in the future do you try to look yeah, when you're uh, yeah. planning, like whether it be transportation based or whatever? Just because, like now, obviously, autonomous vehicles, you right. got to plan for that. Right. Uh, electric vehicles, you got to plan infrastructure for that. Like, what's the next type of vehicle that you might need to take into consideration? Interesting. So what we do is we, um, we use a planning approach called technology foresight. And what you do there is um, instead of jumping ahead 20, 40 years, whatever, mm. when shuttles will be here, we really look at it incrementally and in phases. And so we, we go into a town. It's like, here's, here's how people are getting around right now and how many and things like that. Here's what's trending. Um, that you may want to think of. Maybe you don't have it right now, or maybe you've you've got a group of people out there riding and buying electric bicycles, and it seems to be a trend that mm -hmm. you might want to think about in designing your street. And then we look at emerging, and that's things like the autonomous shuttles, mm. um, because they are out there, yeah. they're deployed, but you know their market adoption is teeny tiny. We look at market adoption rates. And then there's stuff that's way off in the future, like flying cars. And, you know, quite frankly, most of our clients are small cities. And they're like, you know, we got, we got enough on our plate with, like, what's trending and what's emerging right it's here. Like, what to do with all these stupid scooters <laughs> everywhere? Right. <laughs> so they banned them in South Florida. But now the prices have come down so much that, that our streets are filled with people who bought their own. Yeah. And they're, like, 300 bucks now. Yeah. Right? Get it on Amazon. Be in your, be at your front door in two days. Right. Yep. Got to uh, deal with it. I remember, gosh, probably back in the mid-90s. I mean, I grew up in, in Chicago. We used to take our kids down to Disney World. And there was a town called Celebration. Yes. And it was, like, supposed to be a town, like a smart little town, 20 years ahead of everything else. Yeah. Is that town still around? And now it's probably, like, technology's passed that town up, you I, know? You know, back then, the, the real eye-opener is that you could put houses close together in a subdivision that were walkable, and the street, the, the school was right down the street. Yeah. Um, and that was at a time when the suburban model was taking off where, you know, the, the school was way over there because you needed 60 acres, and, you know, everybody needed an acre house, and yeah. so Celebration comes along, and it's like, no, nah, we think people will really buy into this one, you know, six houses per acre, and they did. Um, and then you saw that, the ripple effects. There's a bunch around Denver. Um, there's way, there? yeah, yeah it, it caught on. So what do you think about the idea of putting the airport 10 miles 
outside oh, it's of not the city. Miles. It is a lot more. It, it Whatever is it way is. the crap out there. Yeah. Oh, here. I flip Google Map right now. I think it, I, I'm <laughs> saying it's 25 coming? miles out. Really? You think yeah. it's that far? Yeah, it is. It was more than 20 miles. It was way out there. Wow. And I and uh, you know, as I'm coming in, I'm sure that you were. You were like. Who decided this and why? And I'm, I'm, I'm assuming it was for a good reason. I mean, I see some benefit, you know, gets it all out there. One street, I mean, there's like one street that goes out there. That's yep. the only thing there. Yep. So I, I like that aspect. And it was built a number of years ago. It's yeah. not like it was built five years ago. It was like 15 years ago or something. Oh, I think it was longer was than that. Was it even longer than that? And, and I remember when, it, when they were building it. When it opened, they couldn't get the baggage system right, and so oh, nobody yeah, was getting so their many bags, things messed up. And yeah. it was, it's 24 miles. Yeah. yeah. Look at you. There you go. He's this guy. Surprise. Yeah. Um, um, you what? know, and now they have the light rail, so yeah. and, and it was easy, so easy. Oh, true, true. So, yeah, the from a from a, a planning, what's where's the best place to put the airport in the city? Does it change depending on the city and what's already there? Or if you if you had to, you know, you guys don't get this opportunity anymore, I'm guessing. But right. you don't get a, a blank, you know, 10-mile by 10-mile block and have say, okay, right. have at it exactly how you want it. You're just kind of God, fixing so other stuff, fun, right? So I, I think these days the regional airports are where it's at. And those, no. but you only need 10 10 acres, 20 acres yeah. for that. And, uh, you know, if you're doing a Mongo new airport, like, I can't even remember when a new one came on. I don't know. I can't either. Right? Were you a big uh, Sim City fan growing up? Never played it. Never played it? She does oh it in real gosh. life. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I love Sim City. She's like living the dream. My son does. That's awesome. Awesome. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, you All have right. anything else you want to get out there? No, like I'm, I'm here to learn. Since I know nothing, um, and in fact, my one of my coworkers is speaking, Sandor Laszlo. It's, oh, very um, cool. In ten minutes, so I better All right. get up there. You better get All there. Right. right. Thanks for the time. We appreciate yeah, it. At least it was a blast. Thank that you. Was fun. Yeah, enjoy good, the week. Good question. Thank you.